0: Since its introduction more than four decades ago, the Distributed Control System, or DCS, has made enormous contributions to the safe, efficient, and reliable operation of innumerable industrial processes around the world. When it comes to global footprint, one supplier, ABB, has had market share bragging rights for at least half that time, according to the ARC Advisory Group's annual reports. It should come as no surprise then that ABB is paying very close attention to the technological and demographic winds of change that are really reshaping how automation gets done in the 2020s and beyond. Hello, this is Keith Larson, Editor of Control Magazine and ControlGlobal.com. and Welcome to this Solution Spotlight episode of our Control Amplified podcast, sponsored today by ABB. With me today to talk about the forces reshaping the DCS landscape and how ABB is responding to them is Mark Taft, ABB Group Vice President, responsible for the company's process control systems offerings worldwide. Welcome, Mark. A real pleasure to chat with you today. Thanks, Keith. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, well, it's great. It seems the industry has been talking about open, uh, quote unquote, in the context of DCS technology ever since someone bolted a Unix-based operating console onto an otherwise proprietary system back in the early 90s. And I, I know We both go back that far uh, in this industry, so you remember it as well. But at this moment in time, there seems to be a confluence of more user-driven initiatives towards openness, OPAF, and Away, Modular Automation, name just a few, that show real promise, and they all seem to be headed in complementary directions. What do you see as the motivating force for some of these movements, and how do you expect they'll affect ABB's DCS offering in the months and years years to come?
1: Yeah, this is uh, an important development in our industry. And I think before I talk about the objectives, I think one of the key differences about these initiatives, from my perspective, having been through several of these in the past and, uh, and watching such standard activities as they've evolved is, you know, I think in the past, most of those standards activities were initiated by and driven by the suppliers. Mm -hmm. And there's been some nominal level of of involvement by the customer base, mainly just to check to see that what we were doing made some sense to (laughs) them. But but I think now it's really key to see how involved the customers are, uh, the fact that they have initiated these activities. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I really do feel that uh, there will be a much broader adoption and engagement. And ultimately, they will achieve their objectives. And so if I think about the objectives that they're aiming at, I think that there's two major drivers uh, and some underlying things that are a result of that. Certainly one of the drivers is that some of the customers have been frustrated by the fact that uh, their lifecycle costs of supporting their their automation assets are higher Mm -hmm. than they'd like them to be. And in addition to that, that with their with their current control system infrastructure, the cost and agility for innovation is is uh, not where they'd like it to be. Sure. So underneath all of that, I think customers. There's no doubt about it. There have been some customers who become frustrated about the fact that when they purchase a DCS, that the costs to maintain that DCS over time are are dictated by the supplier, and uh, they feel like they're locked in. Mm -hmm. And as I said earlier, in addition to that, partly due to this this relationship with a single supplier, they feel that the cost and effort to innovate or to add new functionality Mm -hmm. or to enhance the functionality of their automation has been too high and has taken too long for them to Mm -hmm. to implement. I think the third factor is that, that our customers... Businesses have changed and their strategies have changed over the last 20 years. And the result of that is that they've overhauled the portfolio of products that they want to take to market. Mm-hmm. And that's led to some divestments and some acquisitions. And mm-hmm. so we have a number of companies who, for years and years and years, focused on one or two suppliers for their automation. And now they're faced with a portfolio of mm-hmm. very diverse automation technologies and this is putting stress especially on their central support That's organizations sense. and i think finally the customers are looking for a more simplified engineering and commissioning paradigm than what they've been faced with in the past mm-hmm. uh, many of them are finding themselves having to be more agile in reconfiguring their manufacturing processes to to deploy new product variants Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, uh, there are customers building plants in parts of the world that just don't have automation expertise available. And so they need a system that automates the commissioning of those systems and is not so reliant on having expertise uh, on the ground to, uh, to do that. So I think those are the objectives. Now, how does that affect ABB? You know, I think ABB for the last 30 plus years has has invested a lot in ensuring that our existing customers can deploy new technology in an evolutionary manner and to do so in a way that allows them to continue to utilize the the application intellectual investment that they've made and carry that forward through each technology change. Mm -hmm. And uh But there's no doubt that the the standards that are evolving are going to shape our future offering. And we are certainly committed to ensure that uh, our next generation technologies are consistent and support uh, the requirements for those standards. But we want to do it in a way that allows our existing customers to continue to carry forward their intellectual investments in the future.
0: Yeah, that make makes a lot of sense. Um, obviously, the standards are important, but are there underlying digital technologies and and some you know some of this uh, itot convergence that play a role in making that sort of openness and and evolution uh, more more practical reality than it maybe it was in the past.
1: Yeah, I I, I certainly think there are, and uh, perhaps the to me at least one of the the foundational ones is how OPC UA has evolved. Mm-hmm. and the companion specifications that are being developed that go along with that. And if you look at, uh, for instance, Opaf, they they certainly have made that a foundational technology that they're asking uh, suppliers to embrace. And it does provide a number of functionalities that are really going to be required to meet the objectives that they have. It's It's platform-independent and Internet-ready, and I think maybe most importantly, it has a very comprehensive information model. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be important to be able to integrate uh, products from different suppliers and make sure that they're going to play well together and be able to exchange information in a way that is not engineering intensive to, to implement. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the final thing and also very important is that, that cybersecurity is built into the standard and It is absolutely necessary, of course, for any new technology that we introduce into the market. Uh, Sort of along the same lines is the development of of APL and uh, the pa DIM information model that's that's coming along with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is going to be important to allow customers to access information directly from field level devices Mm -hmm. and not have to route everything through a process controller as we, we have in the past. Sure. And this is a key uh, objective that many customers have. The The improvement and the evolving of, of wireless and 5G, I think, is going to allow customers to deploy more sensors in places that it wasn't cost effective to do so in the past. And also, I think, untether people in the field, in the plants, from having to be in the control room to see what's going on or to get guidance. We'll allow them to to get out into the field where the manufacturing is happening and, and get that guidance uh, more directly uh, in front of the equipment that they're trying to deal with and then finally i think cloud and edge technologies um, are going to be key to allow customers to achieve this innovation in a more agile fashion to be able to deploy applications on top of the system control systems and uh, to be able to exchange those and and maintain them in a in a fashion that is uh, you know less directly tied to the control system itself. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was uh, looking back, and it was about ten years ago. I put together a, helped put together an ABB sponsored uh, supplement to control called the Power of Integration, which had long been been a key rallying cry really for ABB. But it seems back then we were more concerned with integration of. Control platforms with other plant systems to deliver synergistic value, not so much complementary systems within the control environment. Has the power of integration evolved to mean something different in in the context of these new dynamics nowadays?
1: Yeah, you know, I still think integration is is going to be key, and uh, is something that customers are still going to be very uh, interested in and and desirable. Uh, But I think the the role of the control system in providing that integration is going to change. You know, until now, as you've sort of alluded to, the DCS was kind of the glue that that provided that integration. And as such, we were focused on integrating other systems with the control system itself and then right. exposing that information in a way that uh, was easier to use for our customers. You know, I think if we look forward, the control system obviously will still be key in providing uh, information from the plant floor. But again, with this evolving standardized models such as OPC UA, the ability to exchange information bef- between uh, uh, applications from different suppliers will be easier. It'll allow the customers to have a more vendor agnostic environment so that they can mix and match or or even exchange technologies as as their needs change, or as the solution availability changes. So it, it will, I think. That, as I said, the control system I think will play a different role, but but still a, a key role.
0: The whole development of of mentioned cloud, the whole development of, of containerization and virtualization sh- should help those components plug and play a little more readily at the systems level, I think, than what what we're used to in, in the DCS history of, of the past.
1: Yeah, and, and and I think that how that integration is supported will remain a key area of potential differentiation in this new standards driven market. You know, I think that some people when they look at OPAF they say, well how is a DCS vendor going to come Know compete in that market because now customers can buy all these different things from different people, which of course that is something they want to achieve. Yeah. But I think that this power of integration and the 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 means of supplying it and 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 enhancing it is a potential opportunity for us to to differentiate ourselves. And you know, if I as I have looked over the past 40 years at every time we've introduced a new standards-driven technology into our market, The customers have high expectations of of what that's going to bring. And and in many cases, many of those expectations are met. But what happens is that there are a lot of unintended results that come along with that that aren't foreseen by the customers and frankly, have not been foreseen by us as suppliers. And I think that uh, what's going to be key now in this new brave new world is for us as suppliers to anticipate where those gaps might be mm-hmm. and to ensure that as we roll products out we fill those gaps and ensure that the customers meet their objectives but also don't give things up as a result of of this change yeah that makes sense
0: another undeniable trend affecting the process industries is a is a demographic shift from the generations that created and optimized the original dcs to Digital natives unfamiliar with the, I'll say, old technology that we sometimes find so, so comforting. Will this shift accelerate uptake of new automation paradigms?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that that will be the case. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we've we've made it easy for our customers and and not very disruptive for our customers to move forward in technologies and carry forward the things that they've known and loved and And you know, of course, as you know, we have customers that have been uh, involved with our systems for twenty or thirty years, right And I think one of the results of that is is that it has put up a, a bit of a barrier for the introduction of of new technologies and certainly anything that's disruptive mm-hmm. And uh, you know what I'm seeing already, as I have traveled around while well, I still could travel around and visit customers was that this transition that we've been talking about for for years as we anticipated that, uh, well, frankly, my generation is starting to retire and we have a new generation coming in, that that transformation has begun. And as we get this new generation of management and engineers and, and operators entering the workforce, they are not as influenced by the way things have been done for the last 20 years. Right. And back to the contrary, I think they want to see something more modern uh, that looks more like the technology that they've grown up with. And as a result of that, I think they're going to be much more willing to try new ways to tackle their their automation and optimization uh, challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the other demographic uh, result of this shift is, of course, and again, another thing that we've been talking about for years is the experience of these people who have been in these plants for 20, 30 years is going to go away. And now we have to provide a platform, an automation platform, that doesn't assume that the operator or the engineer has 20 years of experience with uh, with this this plant or with this, this application. And Need to provide an environment where we can incorporate new technologies to provide a more innovative and guided assistance to the people that are utilizing these systems so that you're not as reliant on them having this experience.
0: Yeah, I would imagine uh, that the COVID pandemic has also accelerated acceptance of some of those remote access solutions where you're bringing in uh, remote uh, subject matter experts either from ABB or elsewhere to 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 assist as as well as other types of um artificial intelligence or you know prompted prompted sort of uh, aids for for folks working in the trenches have you seen that really affect uh, your business as well and your customers business
1: yeah uh, for sure i mean i you know before the pandemic there was certainly a lot of discussion about what could be done remotely Uh, with customers and i would say some customers in some segments were actually making progress there i mean the renewables market is one area that that i think had made a lot of progress in that regard but suddenly you know we were all faced and certainly our customers were faced with how do i minimize the number of people on the ground in this plant to keep it running and of course keep it running in an optimal fashion but without having people on the ground And so, all of a sudden, things that were unheard of Mm -hmm. were being done, and I think a lot of customers were surprised at how successful they were at being able to make that transformation. And so, I think that uh, they were making use of, of course, of technology that was already available that they didn't really make use of before. And of course, that's putting more demands on us as well. Uh, But it's Mm -hmm. it's clear to me that when this pandemic finally passes. Uh, these new paradigms in terms of of how their work processes are put together and how they provide uh, insight and support to the the people on the ground running the plant, uh, whether it be for maintenance or engineering or production or whatever it might be, these work practices are going to stay in place and will be the new foundation that they work on to provide even higher levels of of, uh, remote access in the future. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Well, once we do lick this this COVID pandemic thing, waiting in the wings has been the perhaps even more urgent issue of, of of climate change and industrial sustainability overall. What 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 increased role can can automation platforms play in helping society make strides towards a more decarbonized industry, for example, as well as other aspects of sustainability?
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, there's a couple of aspects here. The first one, of course, is as a product supplier. ABB has put a keen focus on supporting a a low-carbon society and has actually set a target to be uh, completely carbon-neutral in our operations by 2030. And uh, that means that we need to be able to deliver products that are more energy-efficient in their design and are incorporating sustainable materials uh, to help uh, meet that objective. And, of course, we'll focus on providing uh, products that have lower cooling requirements and lower power consumption and and the use of recyclable materials, not only in our products, but of course, in the packaging that we use to, to ship them around the world. Mm-hmm. And then, and I think the other piece of this is to reduce the amount of hardware that is actually required to to run a system by taking advantage of virtualization and technology advances in that area. So, as a product supplier, I think that's that's where where we play. But probably the bigger impact is that ABB has also set a target to support our customers to reduce their uh, CO2 emissions by at least 100 megatons by 2030. Mm-hmm. I'm told that's equivalent to about 30 million combustion vehicles. So it's a big it's a big number. Yeah, and automation as it as it has been in the past will continue to be in the future a key facilitator for that by helping our customers optimize their plants i think the focus on uh, energy consumption will increase you know i think i think the focus on energy consumption in the past in manufacturing has been to reduce the cost of energy and in a country like the us where the energy costs are low Man. the you know the objective wasn't that that big but now with these these carbon footprint uh, objectives that 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 puts a whole new emphasis on that area mm-hmm. and of course enhancing and optimizing production to eliminate uh, waste and rework by by actually utilizing some of the technologies we've had available that people really haven't right. deployed in an earnest fashion like state based control and just just making sure the control loops are performing mm-hmm. are things that we can do to help uh in that regard.
0: Yeah, I, I was reading the other day um some estimates from uh, th- that said that industry could get half halfway to our um Paris climate treaty desires and obligations just by using technology we already have but applying it to industry to to become more efficient. It's not not as sexy as, as solar farms and, and other things like that. But, but when you look at how much we could do, um, when we, we apply the tools for optimization and efficiency that we've already developed as an automation industry, there's, there's plenty of work to be done even without uh, getting too exotic in terms of new technology. So exactly, exactly from a, from a higher view, maybe, um, you know, given all these trends, What will the DCS of the future, if we even call it a DCS, what will the DCS of the future look like compared to the traditional DCS we've been using for the past 30 years? Can you just paint us a little bit of a picture of
1: how it might look in the years down? Yeah, Yeah, it will be interesting to see if it's called a DCS. I mean, certainly one of the things that will will be true is that uh, it'll be a flatter technology and in some ways more distributed. I was going to say it'll actually be distributed this time. It'll, it'll be more distributed than than it is for sure today and and more modular i think uh, the modularity plays in a couple of areas one is i think from an engineering standpoint there is there's a real push from customers now to raise the level of engineering uh, above ic 61131 where people are still down there programming in that in that level to provide this integration and this uh, to facilitate an easier way of, of, of reuse, I see us raising the, 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 the engineering to a more modular level. Mm-hmm. And then the, the software components or the even the product components that make up a system, I think will also be more modular. And that's what's going to help with the, the agile innovation. It'll make it easier to add uh, new functions and technologies uh, to upgrade those technologies and to deploy what we call extended automation components mm-hmm. in a way that doesn't affect the entire system. I mean, there are times with various systems that are on the market today. If I want to change one thing, I got to upgrade everything. And with that, of course, comes cost and uh, and risk. And so we need to be able to have modular components that can be upgraded separately and still play together with the rest of uh, the application. I think that uh, this desire to be able to develop applications in a way that is completely divorced from how they will be deployed in in the hardware in the future is a trend that uh, will be realized. Uh, Obviously, cybersecurity uh, out of the box built into the components rather than layered on top will be key. And yeah, automating... As much as possible, the engineering and commissioning activities is another thing that I see us putting a lot more focus on. And again, you don't won't need to have the same innate, deep knowledge of how the system works in order to uh, to deploy it and support it in the field. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I, I think it's also very critical, and of course, this has always been something that's important, a, B, B. I think my friends from ARC estimated that there's something like 130,000 automation systems installed out there. And I think this this industry has a tendency to think about deploying new technology as it applies to a greenfield facility. And when you think in those terms and don't consider the 130,000 automation systems out there, you might make decisions that make it difficult to to evolve those systems to the future. And and from our perspective, that's going to be absolutely critical for us to again help our customers make that that jump forward to the new technologies, but to retain the intellectual investments they've made to get them where they are today.
0: Mm-hmm. So really look at ways to bring some of these technologies to bear in in brownfield situations when you may need to do some some upgrades to the systems or whatever without tearing everything out. Um, exactly. <laughs> so we know we're very uh, reluctant to, to do that sort of thing with, with instruments and such that are already working, but how do you work these new technologies into a into an already operating plant without undue downtime? That, that'll be a challenge, but interesting to look forward to. Yeah. Well, great. Thanks so much, Mark, for, for sharing your insights with us today. I really appreciate you you taking the time to join us. Looking forward to Seeing each other again in meat space, as they say, in (laughs) hybrid space one of these days. So, um, looking forward to that. For those of you listening, also, thanks for tuning in. My name is Keith Larson, and you've been listening to a Control Amplified podcast. Thanks also to ABB for sponsoring this episode. And of course, to my guest today, Mark Taft, Group Vice President of ABB, responsible for the company's control systems offering worldwide. Thanks again, Mark. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. And if, you've been, if you at home have enjoyed or at work have enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe at the iTunes Store and at Google Podcasts. Plus, you can find the full archive of past episodes at controlglobal.com. Signing off until next time.